Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Weekend Teacher Podcast. What's the difference between classroom conversations or small group discussions that go well and those that don't? I think it has everything to do with the one leading the experience. Leading discussions, whether it's in a class or a small group setting, requires certain skills that can be learned by those wanting to become more effective. So here today, we're going to talk about 10 tips that you can put into practice immediately when you're leading a classroom discussion or a small group. First, ask questions that help students learn. When you ask a question, remember that the objective isn't to trick students with an impossible question to answer. It's not to stump the students to show how smart you are. The goal is to help them think and learn by verbalizing thoughts and engaging in conversations so that they can discover truths for themselves. This teaching strategy has often been called the Socratic method, namely asking questions to elicit verbal responses to help students learn. Again, remember the focus is the students learning, not getting the correct answer. So be patient and work with whatever answers you receive to help students learn. Next, ask open-ended questions as opposed to closed questions that can be answered with a simple short answer like yes or no. Good questions require more than a simple answer. They usually create a sense of wonder. They represent several possible answers or require some reflective thought. In short, they welcome conversation. There's a principle that's related to this thought. It's often good to ask questions that increase in difficulty as the lesson progresses, moving from lower levels to higher levels of thinking. To create these questions, remember Bloom's educational taxonomy that we talked about in the last episode. That will give you a template to follow as you create these questions. The third tip is let your group know who you're talking to. Sometimes students aren't sure who's supposed to answer or if you really expect an answer at all. So specify when questions are directed to one student, directed to all students, or intended to be rhetorical and processed silently. Fourth, allow silence. Allow silence after you ask a question. Most people need time to think and don't like to be put on the spot to answer a question they haven't thought anything about. Remember that you've had days or weeks to think about the things you're discussing. Some learners will have just begun to think thoughts that you've had days ago. It may seem counterintuitive to be in a room full of people who aren't talking or doing any other physical act. The stillness and silence can be uncomfortable, but it can be a healthy reminder that we live in community and seek discernment in community. Fifth, never ask a question that you're not willing to answer yourself. You may enjoy grilling your group with perplexing problems, but at some point someone's likely to say, what do you think? If it will help their learning to delay answering, that's one thing, but students have a right to ask the teacher the same questions the teacher asks the students. Your answer might be, I'm really wrestling with this and I don't know, but you should be prepared to address the question in some way. Sixth, Learn to listen, and listen well. This will lead to better conversations, helping students think critically and process information. It will model listening for other students, and it may lead to more questions that should be asked. Specifically, listen for what the students are not saying. Also, listen closely to discern their emotional state while speaking. Are they anxious, happy, concerned, confused, or excited? This will help you know how to respond. Seventh, discuss, don't argue. It's okay for the class to have an engaging conversation where people disagree with opinions or positions expressed, but don't allow the conversation to take the turn and degenerate into attacks on individuals. Set the tone for the interaction so that everyone feels safe to share their ideas with each other. Eighth, respond positively. 
The way you treat the people in your class says a lot about you. It also teaches students whether or not you can be trusted. Many students will refrain from commenting aloud if they've seen other students speak up only to be shot down by a critical teacher who accepts nothing less than the right answer, as the teacher defines it. So discernment is necessary here. There are, in fact, some comments that could be made in a class that should be addressed as theologically in conflict with the basic tenets of the Christian faith. For example, there is not a God, or Jesus is not God's Son. Those types of comments can't be passed over just to get to the point of the lesson. Other comments, however, may not be what you expected to hear, but you wouldn't say they're wrong. They just don't fit well in the conversation. It's here that the skillful teacher can affirm the participant for offering their perspective while inviting others who may or may not agree to share their thoughts. Ninth, encourage participation. One way to encourage participation in a group or class is to have participants write down their thoughts and responses that you then collect and read to the class. Ideas can remain anonymous until the class identifies one they want to discuss further. A variation on this strategy is after giving your group time to write down reactions, they could share these thoughts with a neighbor, getting to express their ideas before you ask them to share them aloud with the rest of the group. But what if you're a teacher leading a discussion and one person who doesn't really need encouragement to participate continually speaks, to the detriment of the conversation? This was a question posed by Andy from Dallas on the Weekend Teacher website recently. He said, we have all been in a class when someone overly dominates the discussion. In particular, I have occasionally seen a spiritually immature individual continually interject their comments and observations that are only quasi-related to the discussion topic, or are clearly a bit off in their wisdom. I know that they are not trying to be disruptive, but they effectively hijack the discussion. What are some strategies for dealing with this type of person in a way that's helpful and not disrespectful for them while maintaining quality discussion time for the rest of the class? Well, Andy, that's a great question. It's admittedly not always easy to handle, but it is something that many of us have experienced. At times, one learner will dominate a discussion by their incessant comments or repetitive questions. Unaware that they have begun to monopolize the learning experience, these individuals often need a gentle reminder that there are others who may want to participate. So here are some ideas. If someone introduces a topic that's distracting or unhelpful, you could mention that this is something you would be happy to discuss with them after class or in a future class. Politely redirect the conversation while affirming their creative thinking. As you do this, remember to be gentle so that you don't shut down all conversation from other students. Another idea is if a student is continually speaking without letting others participate, you could gain control by asking a question that's followed by the instructions, let's let those who haven't commented yet share their ideas. Or, as the leader of the classroom environment, you get to create the ground rules for the discussion. So, do what you need to do to help others in the group feel welcome to participate. An example might be saying, let's have only one or two comments from any one person before everyone in the group has had a chance to speak. This lets everyone know about your desire for more than one person to speak up. Finally, you could also talk with a person after class about your expectations that they not monopolize the conversation. Well, we've just covered nine tips to effectively leading discussions. Let me review what we've talked about so far. Ask questions that help students learn. Ask open-ended questions as opposed to closed questions. Let your group know who you're talking to. Allow silence. Never ask a question you're not willing to answer yourself. Learn to listen and listen well. Discuss, don't argue. Respond positively. And encourage participation. 
The 10th and final tip for leading discussions is have fun. Learning in community is exciting and fun, so we should enjoy it. I'm Dr. Houston Heflin. Until next time, remember, how we lead discussions impacts what they learn. As always, remember that you can find the Weekend Teacher podcast on Facebook. You can find us at theweekendteacher.com. Or you can email me questions or comments or ideas for future episodes at theweekendteacher at gmail.com.